Hello and welcome to Sleep Cove. This episode includes a sleep hypnosis designed to help you break free from any chains that are holding you back so you can fly and succeed in your everyday life. The episode also includes a bonus chapter of Alice in Wonderland where she plays croquet with the Queen of Hearts. I have also some exciting news that I'll soon be launching a Sleep Sounds podcast where if you want to listen to some relaxing natural sounds that help you drift off to sleep, you will be able to. This episode is sponsored by Lumen. Lumen is the first handheld device that can measure your metabolism in a single breath to tell you what fuel source your body is using for energy, fats or carbs. Lumen's device and app provides you with personalised daily meal recommendations to help you reach your weight, nutrition or fitness goals and has been scientifically validated. If you want to check out how you can hack your metabolism today, visit lumen.me and use the code SLEEPCOVE25 to get $25 off at lumen.me. That's $25 off when you use the code SLEEPCOVE25 at lumen.me. Please have a look at their website. And I'd also like to give a big thank you to Gary, Sandy, Dale, Rob, Danielle and Jenny who've recently become supporters on Patreon. Please do not listen to any hypnotherapy or sleep meditation whilst driving or operating heavy machinery. Please listen in a place where you can safely go to sleep. And let's begin. If you would like to skip the story section and go straight to the hypnosis part of the episode, please go to 28 minutes where it will begin. Alice in Wonderland, Chapter 8 The Queen's Croquet Ground A large rose tree stood near the entrance of the garden. The roses growing on it were white, but there were three gardeners at it, busily painting them red. Alice thought this a very curious thing, and she went nearer to watch them. And just as she came up to them, she heard one of them say, Look out now, Five. Don't go splashing paint over me like that. 
couldn't help it, said Five in a sulky tone. Seven jogged my elbow. On which Seven looked up and said, That's right, Five. Always lay the blame on others. You'd better not talk, said Five. I heard the Queen say only yesterday, You deserve to be beheaded. What for? said the one who had spoken first. That's none of your business too, said Seven. Yes, it is his business, said Five, and I'll tell him. It was for bringing the cook tulip roots instead of onions. Seven flung down his brush and had just begun. Well, of all the unjust things, when his eye chanced to fall upon Alice, as she stood watching them, and he checked himself suddenly. The others looked round also, and all of them bowed low. Would you tell me, said Alice, a little timidly, why you are painting those roses? Five and seven said nothing, but looked at two. Two began in a low voice. Why the fact is, you see, miss. This here ought to have been a red rose tree, and we put a white one in by mistake. And if the queen was to find out, we should all have our heads cut off, you know. So you see, miss, we're doing our best afore she comes to. At this moment, Five, who had been anxiously looking across the garden, called out, The Queen! The Queen! And the three gardeners instantly threw themselves flat upon their faces. There was a sound of many footsteps, and Alice looked round, eager to see the Queen. First came ten soldiers carrying clubs. These were all shaped like the three gardeners, oblong and flat with their hands and feet at the corners, next the ten courtiers. These were ornamented all over with diamonds, and walked two by two, as the soldiers did. After these came the royal children. There were ten of them, and the little dears came jumping merrily along hand in hand in couples. They were all ornamented with hearts. Next came the guests, mostly kings and queens, and among them Alice recognised the white rabbit. It was talking in a hurried, nervous manner, smiling at everything that was said, and went by with
without noticing her. Then followed the knave of hearts, carrying the king's crown on a crimson velvet cushion. And last of all, in the procession came the king and queen of hearts. Alice was rather doubtful whether she ought not to lie down on her face like the three gardeners, but she could not remember ever having heard of such a rule at processions, and beside, what would be the use of processions, thought she, if people had all to lie down upon their faces, so that they couldn't see it? So she stood still where she was and waited. When the procession came opposite to Alice, they all stopped and looked at her, and the Queen said severely, Who is this? She said it to the knave of hearts, who only bowed and smiled in reply. Idiot, said the Queen, tossing her head impatiently, and turning to Alice she went on, What's your name child? My name is Alice, so please your majesty, said Alice very politely, but she added to herself, Why, they're only a pack of cards after all, I needn't be afraid of them. And who are these? said the queen, pointing to the three gardeners who were lying round the rose tree. For you see, as they were lying on their faces, and the pattern of their backs was the same as the rest of the pack, she could not tell whether they were gardeners or soldiers, or courtiers, or three of her own children. How should I know, said Alice, surprised at her own courage. It's no business of mine. The Queen turned crimson with fury, and, after glaring at her for a moment like a wild beast, screamed, off with her head, off. Nonsense, said Alice, very loudly and decidedly and the queen was silent. The king laid his hand upon her arm and timidly said, consider my dear, she is only a child. The queen turned angrily away from him and said to the knave, turn them over. The knave did so very carefully with one foot. Get up, said the queen in a shrill loud voice, and the three gardeners instantly jumped up, and began bowing to the king and the queen, and the royal children, and everyone else, leave off that, screamed the queen, you make me giddy, and then turning to the rose tree, she went on, 
What have you been doing here? May it please your majesty, said Two, in a very humble tone, going down on one knee as he spoke. We were trying. I see, said the queen, who had meanwhile been examining the roses. Off with their heads. And the procession moved on. Three of the soldiers remaining behind to execute the unfortunate gardeners who ran to Alice for protection. You shan't be beheaded, said Alice. And she put them into a large flower pot that stood near. The three soldiers wandered about for a minute or two, looking for them, and then quietly marched off after the others. Are their heads off? shouted the queen. Their heads are gone, if it please your majesty, the soldiers shouted in reply. That's right, shouted the queen. Can you play croquet? The soldiers were quiet and looked at Alice, as the question was evidently meant for her. Yes, shouted Alice. Come on then, roared the queen, and Alice joined the procession, wondering very much what would happen next. It's, it's a very fine day, said a timid voice at her side. She was walking by the white rabbit, who was peeping anxiously into her face. Very, said Alice. Where's the Duchess? Hush, hush, said the rabbit, in a low, hurried tone. He looked anxiously over his shoulder as he spoke, and then raised himself upon tiptoe, put his mouth close to her ear, and whispered, she's under sentence of execution. What for? said Alice. Did you say, what a pity? the rabbit asked. No, I didn't, said Alice. I don't think it's a pity, I said. What for? She boxed the queen's ears, the rabbit began. Alice gave a little scream of laughter. Oh, hush, the rabbit whispered in a frightened tone. The queen will hear you. You see, she came rather late, and the queen said, Get to your places, shouted the queen in a voice of thunder. And people began running about in all directions, tumbling up against each other, However, they got settled down in a minute or two, and the game began. Alice thought she had never been in a curious croquet ground in all her life. It was all ridges and furrows, the balls were live hedgehogs, the mallets live flamingos, and the soldiers had to double themselves up and had to stand on their hands and feet to make the arches. The chief difficulty Alice found at first was in managing her flamingo. She succeeded in getting its body tucked away, comfortably enough, under her arm, 
with its legs hanging down. Generally, just as she had got its neck nicely straightened out and was going to give the hedgehog a blow with its head, it would twist itself round and look up in her face with such a puzzled expression that she could not help bursting out laughing and when she had its head down and was going to begin again it was very provoking to find that the hedgehog had unrolled itself and was in the act of crawling away besides all this there was generally a ridge or furrow in the way whether she wanted to send the hedgehog to and as the doubled up soldiers were always getting up and walking off to the other parts of the ground. Alice soon came to the conclusion that it was a very difficult game indeed. The players all played at once without waiting their turns, quarrelling all the while and fighting for the hedgehogs. And in a very short time the queen was in a furious passion and went stamping about and shouting off with his head or off with her head about once a minute. Alice began to feel very uneasy to be sure. She had not yet had any dispute with the queen but she knew that it might happen at any minute and then she thought what would become of me they're dreadfully fond of beheading people here the great wonder is that there's anyone left alive she was looking about for a way of escape and wondering whether she could get away without being seen when she noticed a curious appearance in the air. It puzzled her much at first, but after watching it a minute or two, she made out it to be a grin, and she said to herself, It's the Cheshire Cat. Now I shall have somebody to talk to. How are you getting on? said the cat as soon as there was a mouth enough for it to speak with. Alice waited till the eyes appeared and then nodded. It's no use speaking to it, she thought, till its ears have come, or at least one of them. In another minute the whole head appeared and then Alice put down her flamingo and began an account of the game feeling very glad she had someone to listen to her. The cat seemed to think that there was enough of it now in sight and no more of it appeared. I don't think they play at all fairly, Alice began in a rather complaining tone and they all quarrel so dreadfully one can't hear oneself speak and they don't seem to have any rules in particular. At least, if they are, nobody attends to them. And you've no idea how confusing it is 
all the things being alive. For instance, there's the arch I've got to go through next, walking about at the other end of the ground, and I should have croqueted the Queen's Hedgehog just now, only it had run away when it saw mine coming. How do you like the Queen? said the cat in a low voice. Not at all, said Alice. She's so extremely... Just then she noticed that the Queen was close behind her, listening. So she went on, likely to win, that it's hardly worth while finishing the game. The Queen smiled and passed on. Who are you talking to? said the King, coming up to Alice and looking at the cat's head with great curiosity. It's a friend of mine, a Cheshire cat, said Alice. Allow me to introduce it. I don't like the look of it at all, said the King. However, it may kiss my hand if it likes. I'd rather not, the cat remarked. Don't be impertinent, said the king, and don't look at me like that. He got behind Alice as he spoke. A cat may look as a king, said Alice. I've read that in some book, but I don't remember where. Well, it must be removed, said the king, very decidedly and called to the queen who was passing at the moment. My dear, I wish you would have this cat removed. The queen had only one way of settling all difficulties great or small. Off with its head, she said, without even looking round. I'll fetch the executioner myself, said the king eagerly, and he hurried off. Alice thought she might as well go back and see how the game was going on. As she heard the Queen's voice in the distance, screaming with passion, she had already heard her sentence three of the players to be executed for having missed their turns, and she did not like the look of things at all, as the game was in such confusion that she never knew whether it was her turn or not. She went in search of her hedgehog. The hedgehog was engaged in a fight with another hedgehog, which seemed to Alice an excellent opportunity for croqueting one of them with the other. The only difficulty was that her flamingo was gone across to the other side of the garden, where Alice could see it trying in a helpless sort of way to fly up into a tree. By the time she had caught the flamingo and brought it back, the fight was over, and both the hedgehogs were out of sight. But it doesn't matter much, thought Alice, as all the archers are gone from this side of the ground, so she tucked it under her arm, that it might not escape again, and went back for a little more conversation with her friend.
when she got back to the Cheshire Cat. She was surprised to find a large crowd collected round it. There was a dispute going on between the executioner and the king and the queen, who were all talking at once, while all the rest were quiet, silent, and looked very uncomfortable. The moment Alice appeared, she was appealed to by all three to settle the question, and they repeated their arguments to her, though, as they all spoke at once, she found it very hard indeed to make out exactly what they said. The executioner's argument was that you couldn't cut off a head unless there was a body to cut it off from, that he had never had to do such a thing before, and he wasn't going to begin at his time of life. The king's argument was that anything that had had a head could be beheaded, and that you weren't to talk nonsense. The queen's argument was that if something wasn't done about it in less than no time, she would have everybody executed all round. It was this last remark that had made the whole party look so grave and anxious. Alice could think of nothing better and nothing else to say. It belongs to the Duchess. You better ask her about it. She's in prison, said the Queen, and said to the executioner, Fetch her here. And the executioner went off like an arrow. The cat's head began fading away the moment he was gone, and by the time he had come back with the Duchess, it had entirely disappeared. So the king and the executioner ran wildly up and down looking for it, while the rest of the party went back to the game. The second part of the episode is sponsored by Storyworth. Finding the perfect present for dad is tough, especially if you don't have the luxury of celebrating Father's Day in person this year. I know that more than anything parents cherish spending time with family. That's why I'm giving my dad the most meaningful gift this year, a chance to connect with loved ones through Storyworth. I love Storyworth because every week it asks questions to my father who answers them and writes them down and then at the end of the year you get his personal thoughts and life stories bound in a book which you can share amongst loved ones and pass down through the family. I'm sure my family will treasure this book forever. Give your dad the most meaningful gift this year with Storyworth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com sleep and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com sleep for $10 off.
this sleep hypnosis is going to help you break free of your chains and any restrictions you may have and fly and succeed and be confident in what you want to achieve. And as you listen to my voice, settle in the place you have decided to go to sleep. Relax, move those shoulders, move those muscles and get into a very relaxed state of position where your body gently sinks into the bed and you feel as comfortable as possible and begin to take a few deep breaths in and out in and out as you feel more and more centered and you feel more and more amazing because it's time to go to sleep now this is your time this is your place and most likely you will have closed your eyes and you can see your eyelids closing and you can feel and see in your mind's eye your eyelids on your eyes as you drift off and focus on this as your mind's eye your mind's eye takes over from your eyes as you get more and more comfortable as you relax more and more it's a great feeling knowing that you will get an amazing night's sleep and if you have been struggling to sleep you will listen to this another night when you first go to sleep so you won't struggle anymore because once you have been put to sleep through a meditation or hypnosis you know it can work again it can work over and over following what your body wants and what your body needs as you carry on deeply breathing You imagine some white light appearing inside your body and as you focus on this white light you see it as a ball just below your ribcage in your stomach and this white light whatever it touches it relaxes And as you take a deep breath and relax out, 
the white ball grows in size, relaxing all parts of your body which it touches, and each deep breath it expands more and more relaxing all the muscles, and they feel so warm and smooth. This white light is so healing, and you breathe in again, and it expands more and more, filling up nearly your whole torso and abdomen. And you breathe in and relax out again, and it grows more, now spreading into your limbs, into the end of your arms and legs. And a final deep breath in, and relax out, and the white light flashes, and gently glows now as it relaxes all your body, and it feels so intense and so wonderful. It's a perfect time for you to relax, and think about sleep. You are revealing signs that indicate you are moving into a very deep, peaceful state of relaxation. As I continue talking to you, you keep relaxing more peacefully, not caring how deeply you relax, just happy to continue becoming more calm, more peaceful and more at ease continuing to breathe easily and freely. Your subconscious mind will always be aware of what I am saying to you, so it keeps becoming less and less important for you to consciously listen to my voice. Your subconscious mind and all levels of your inner mind can hear and receive everything I tell you, and your conscious mind can relax completely. You are continuing to experience perfect peace of mind. and you feel yourself moving into the situation I described to you. It's going to happen automatically, and you don't even need to think about it consciously. Now I want you to imagine yourself lying in a comfortable position near a stream of fresh, clear water, in a beautiful forest, on a perfect summer day. There is a warm, gentle breeze, and the air is fresh and clean, 
and the sound of the peaceful stream is very relaxing. It keeps becoming less important for you to consciously listen to my voice because your subconscious mind and all levels of your inner mind are hearing and receiving everything I say. In your mind you are enjoying the beauty of nature as the sunlight shines through the trees. You listen to the gentle flow of water and the birds singing cheerfully. You are lying there, comfortably relaxing. It is so peaceful that you continue feeling more relaxed than ever before in your entire life. As you continue walking this peaceful, pleasant experience, a soothing drowsiness is coming over your whole body, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You continue feeling calmer, more relaxed and more secure. And now as you lie there with your eyes closed, you are so relaxed and comfortable and happy that you continue moving into a more peaceful, more detached state. It may seem like you are drifting into a state of sleep. There are many times when it may seem my voice is a long distance away and there may be times when I'm talking to you that you will not be consciously aware of my voice and that's okay because your subconscious mind is still receiving every word I say and is making true everything I tell you. From now on you will be influenced only by positive thoughts, ideas and feelings. The following thoughts come to you that I am calm and secure and relaxed and at ease and I am control of myself at all times. I am responsible for my body and will always treat my body well. My mind enables me to be relaxed and calm as I go about the activities of my daily life. As you're lying there, so peacefully, so calm and relaxed, I'd like you to imagine 
what it would feel like if you could actually fly, if you could soar through the air free and alive like a bird. Now you don't have to actually imagine that you have wings and feathers and you don't have to pretend that you're leaving your body or anything, but as you are so very relaxed, right now, imagine how beautifully special you feel now that you actually have the power to fly, and as you prepare to take flight, Maybe you spread your arms, or maybe you put your arms above your head, like Superman, it does not really matter, just allow yourself to do whatever you feel you need to do to get ready in your own mind to take flight and soar above the world free, alive, and completely at peace with yourself. Before you take flight however, please take notice of all the chains and anchors which are holding you back, that's right. Notice all of the limiting beliefs and tired thoughts and old habits of yourself and other people which have changed you to the ground and I wonder if you can really feel the weight of these chains which are preventing you from flying, thick heavy links which are holding you back from your right to be free, take a moment for yourself now and notice the texture of these heavy chains as they rough or smooth, or maybe they are both rough and smooth in different parts, what do these tiresome old chains feel like as they bulk you down, and I wonder if they could talk, what would they say? Perhaps they would say, you can't fly, and knowing that misery loves company, they might be saying, stay with us on the ground. But as you look closely at these binding links, you may be surprised to notice that however 
however strongly that these chains appear to be holding you down, and if you look really closely, you will notice something very strange, very strange indeed, that you are holding onto these chains yourself, you are holding onto these old habits tightly, these limiting beliefs that you want to leave behind, these beliefs are not good for you, some say they could be terrible, some say they could be awful, and these beliefs are holding yourself onto the ground, These chains may be forged by the ideas and comments of others, but you are the one holding onto them, and to whatever extent that you so strongly desire to live your life free and successful, you will let go of all chains and bad habits, because you owe this to yourself, you are your body's keeper, you are responsible for your own well-being, your own happiness, your own success and your own freedom. Just as misery Love's company, success leads to even more success, if you look up, you will notice other people flying, see how happy they look up there, free from their bad habits, here on the ground, and you can feel how happy they feel, and you can hear it in their voices, as they laugh, way up in the sky, free from all chains, and to whatever extent, that you so strongly desire to be free, you will begin to let physically go, of a chain, simply make, the commitment to let go of a limiting belief, let go of an outdated habit, let go of the hurts and be free, let go of the pains and fly, let go of other people's drama, let go of other people's stress and problems and be free. You owe it to yourself to let go of your old ideas, and let go of other people's ideas and bad habits, they only hold you back, and as you begin to let go of the past, you actually notice yourself feeling lighter, 
because you have seen this change in other people, you actually walk more upright, you stand taller, and you let go of the other old habits, you feel more confident and strong on your own, your posture is more proud, proud of your new commitment to yourself to be free, so I wonder if you can find yourself letting go of more limiting beliefs and notice how good it feels as you let go of the past and embrace yourself as you realise there is nothing that anyone can say or do to hold you back, you feel so good and so light that you begin to float into the air and you realise for the first time in a long long time that when you finally let go that you feel so happy, so lighter than air, that you begin to smile and feel incredibly good inside, totally at peace and free, because now you are finally alive, alive and free, and you smile and it feels good to let go and fly, to be yourself, for yourself, for now, forever, and think of all the places that you can now fly away to, beautiful places, and you don't have to know where you are going, because good people attract to other good people, successful people attract to other successful people, confident people attract to other confident people, and you are a good person, and you will attract to other good people, people who are truly free will attract to each other, when you smile you attract other people who smile, and people who have let go of the past and of all limiting chains are free to find each other and fly, and simply take another moment for yourself and enjoy this wondrous and awesome peaceful feeling of flying for a moment and notice how good it feels to fly above the world, to fly away from all chains in the past, to fly away from your bad habits and leave them behind, to fly away from other people's bad habits, let them go and fly and let go of all the hurt and all the pain, and simply fly away free, knowing that you will find yourself 
smiling more because you are free. You have made a commitment to yourself to be yourself and to be the best version of yourself and to fly away and be free and you deserve to join others like yourself and be alive for now and forever and you feel yourself lifting off into the skies